Hey, Rob, what do you think of our funky new football in Berkshire branding? They're great, Tom. Who's made them? They've been created by friend of FIB, Ellis Woods, who runs his own creative agency, Flair Media. He's heavily involved in grassroots football and kindly sponsors this very podcast. That's great. What else do they do? Well, it's funny you should say that, Rob. Ellis offers affordable digital marketing, digital and print branding like logos, banners, flyers and business cards, as well as website content creation and management. Go and have a look at flaremedia.online and tell Ellis we sent you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and him. Rob Davis. Uh, this is our pub, but not in a pub chat podcast. We're doing daily to try and keep ourselves and all of you busy during the lockdown. Uh, today, we have a very special guest in the shape of Bracknell Town Manager, Bobby Wilkinson. Hello, Bobby. Hello. How are you, everyone? Very well, very well. Um, we'll we'll start off. I thought we'd um, we just I've just been doing a bit of research on you, Bobby. I thought we'd sort of start at the beginning. Um, I've got yeah. a um, I've got a, an old Reading Evening Post article in front of me. Um, <laughs> the head the headline of which is Bobby takes charge at Hungerford. Um, yes. And it's got a lovely picture of you uh, in in one of those Reading shirts. You know those ones that look like sailors ones that they had. <laughs> yeah, I know the ones. For a while, it looks <laughs> it looks like you're. Uh, you're you're on the you're on the pitch there. It's it's cropped really badly, but I'll you know it's a it's a. But anyway, it, what it says in 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 there, it says uh, you were the assistant kit man at, at Reading. Um, and yes, I did that for a few years. Yes. Was that to um, who was the uh, the um, A D Williams did a podcast with the kit man there? What was his name? I can't remember the for the life of me. Uh, Ron Grant. Ron Grant. Were you, you, were, you were you were assistant to Ron there? Yeah, I was with Ron for a while, and then a uh, 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 lad called Selby. Oh right. Um, okay, I, I, I remember. I'd, I'd recognise both names, and I, and I do remember that that period of time. What it also says is that prior to Hungerford, you were at Milton United and Henley Town. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. So how how did um, how how did you kind of how did you start there? How did you start a managerial career combining that with with duties at Reading? Well, what it was is um, I was playing for Henley at the time um, because I had so many injuries. Um, I was just earning some money playing non-league football, to be honest. And um, it was something I always wanted to get into, was managing. Yeah. And um, I just had a feeling I'd be okay at it, to be honest. <laughs> and I wanted, to cha- I, wanted to, I wanted the challenge. And um, I know how to man- manage people and, and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, you're going to make loads of mistakes. But it was something I wanted to try. And to be honest, I'm quite successful at it so i'm enjoying it to be honest <laughs> so uh, before we get on to the hunger fist bit um what were you um what were you like uh, what was your playing career like how um who did you play for and, uh, how long did that last i was um i was a reading youth for a, a few years as you know uh then i came out of that and i played for tame united um we had to travel there because that's where the money was at the time um <laughs> i played for marlow for uh, two years and we won quite a few things. We did a tame as well. Um, and then I just played some local football really because I got told at 28 I can't really continue. Um, so I left Reading when I was, what, 18, 19 as a, a YTS. Then I went to Fulham for six months and then I had two Gilmore hernias. So um, I had both of them done at the same time and then it was just too much pain every time I played, to be honest. So even at a young age, I knew I was going to manage. Wow. And um, so, so Bobby, obviously Hungerford. You took over at Hungerford in the summer of 2010. Uh, I think they, yes. they just had a bit of a tough season. They'd been promoted from the Hellenic League uh, two seasons prior to that, and so they'd had a season in the Southern League. And, yes. and obviously, I think they finished looking at the looking at the league tables. They finished 20th of 22. What did, did you think then 
um, I, we could really go somewhere. Or what did you think taking over that job? Well, I met up with Nigel Warwick, and I just knew it was the right job because he had my ambition. Because one thing my dad always taught me, it's not always about the club, it's about the chairman. So I, I've been very fortunate. I've worked under a couple of great chairmen. And I met up with Nigel Warwick, and I just knew where we were going to go. The only thing I was ever worried about, would he able to keep up with me? Because <laughs> I knew how important it was for me to get my career up and running because I wanted to manage in the Conference South and things yeah. like that. So I needed to get it up and running. The only difficulty I had at Hungerford, it was such a small club. Um, but what a fantastic challenge it was and uh, some fantastic people there as well. You you kind of did that thing that people do when they go and play football manager or championship manager, one of those games where you, you go and take over a club sort of at the bottom, a small club that shouldn't necessarily be kind of going any higher. And you took them off and, and um, you took them off and off they went. What did you get in place initially when you took over to kind of build those foundations? Because you, you spent a couple of years in the, the, the Southern League Division 1 and, and obviously getting slightly closer to that promotion spot. What was it that you put in place at the start there that, that kind of drove the club on? The most important thing about any any management team is you've got to have good people around you. Um, you know, so a lot of the stuff I've done was just basics, to be honest. Got good people around you, brought in good, hard-working players. Not about money, um, because people can say whatever they want. We had hardly any money. Um, and, you know, you've got to get in the mindset of you're going to win, you're going to win. And you've got to bring in people that have got that mindset. You know, that's my frustration with Hungerford Town now. You know, it's always about survival. Well... If I'm going to be open and honest, we were we, three three years on the bounce. We were favourites to go down. Yeah. But if you if you start the mindset and you've got the players' mindset of you know going to um, make a playoffs, you know sometimes they can start believing in that. And I just I just get frustrated sometimes when you know I see people are happy with survival and stuff like that. And I understand budgets is a big thing in football now and things like that. But a lot of football is how you prep, how you do things right. You know, money's a bonus for players, but people just want to be professional and do it the right way in, in them departments, if you know what I mean. So all I did is got good people around me, um, knew what we were going to do, and just have a challenge at, at doing it, to be honest. Uh, I think the first time I saw uh, one of your sides was actually when um, you had taken Hungerford to the Conference South, uh, yes. National League South or whatever it was, you had a, a pretty successful season that first year. I think you finished seventh or... Right uh, yeah, we finished time. seventh. We were, we, we were fifth and then I got told we didn't have enough seats. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's right. Classic, you know, what, 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 what still breaks my heart to this day, you know, and I'm still not, not bitter about it, if I'm honest with you, Rob, but, you know, people still didn't realise when they told me, uh, oh, I was just going to accept it, no problems. You know, um, you've got you've got a manager that's well driven with football players, and we've worked extremely hard. We beat Dartford two 0 at home to go into the playoffs. Fifth, I think it was. We were a fantastic team that had been together a couple of years, and then I get told that the next day um, we can't make the playoffs because we don't. We're 150 seats short. So you can imagine any any manager would feel the same. We, we were devastated, and then I think we went to. We went to, yeah, Hemel, uh, no, Wildstone, my old club, Wildstone, two days later and got beat 3 0. We didn't even look half a side. Yeah, I, I was going to say that I, I saw um, your side um, probably earlier on in the season at Maidenhead United. 
Yeah. Um, I went to see them there. Um, I think Maiden got prom- that was the season Maiden got promoted. So uh, we're two 0 up, drew two two. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, okay. I thought at the time the side was very well organised, and uh, you know um, knew exactly what they were trying to do. Um, yeah. is, is that um, is that a trait of your side? You say, or with, is it just has um, your style of play or style of management um, uh, uh, changed over the clubs you've been to? Your team has to be the fittest in the league. You have to be more organised than anyone. You've got to be better at set plays than anyone. And everything I'm telling you there doesn't cost, cost money. So yeah. straight away, you know, I've worked with a lot of clubs with no money. Lucky enough, at Wildstone, I had some good money. Um, but them sort of trades there is what I'm all about. You know, make sure we are hard to beat. Make sure we are on the front foot, you know, and um, we've got to beat anyone. And you don't have to have the best players. And there's some great young talent around in Reading. That's how I looked at it. And um, that's that's the way I work. You know, we would have been the first team to beat Maidenhead that year, wouldn't we, at Maidenhead? You know, uh, but uh, Ian Heron gave a penalty away. Oh. Uh, sloppy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I didn't realise that was yeah. him, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, in the, I think it was the 90th minute when you oh. just got to stand up. But that's football. That's no problem with that. Um, um, but, yeah, it, I, I, I will never change. I'll go into every single football club and the chairman will get a manager that, works 24 hours a day but their their team will wear the badge with pride and you know work hard to be to do well i think we've uh, i think we've done these podcasts the wrong way around uh, bobby because we've had we've had ian on already and had it been the other way around we'd have uh, we'd have brought that up with him um yeah <laughs> um we spoke to we spoke to gareth ainsworth yesterday uh about kind of wickham and and what he's doing there he talked about kind of having his generals in the dressing dressing room um the kind of the, the players he he did what he had to do and then the players took care of it. it it feels like did you have something like that in that in that hungerford side it feels like that that was something that you might have had there yeah, oh yeah, you do. You, you do. You always got to have your three, four generals in every football club. Um, you know, I even done that at Bracknell Town. With, yeah, uh, Wilson, um Yeah, like for instance, in our generals in um, in um, Hungerford, you know, Scott Reese, born winner. Um, you know, John Boardman, Matty Day. Uh, these boys were good players. They didn't talk a good game. They just delivered every single week. You know, I think Matty Day got in team of the year. You know, three or four times. I'm not sure how many, but them sort of players you've got to have around you. We were lucky to have these players, you know, and you, you've got to let them run their dressing room the best they can. Um, so, so, so sort of post-Hungerford, was it was it that summer that you left Hungerford? Or was it just after? I can't remember. I left just after. Um, my contract had run out. I yeah. didn't sign a new one. I knew I was going to leave. I, I wish I'd left in the summer now. Yeah. Um, but um, Willstone approached me literally four or five games into the... Uh, into the new season they've lost four four out of five or something um i met up with peter marsden and and we didn't look back fantastic man to work on another great chairman um and had a very successful time at wilson as well it's was it um was it a year you were at wilson for was it a season or was it two sorry bobby i should should have done my research on this come on you should do your research <laughs> and bring me on here come on Tom, i'll let you off yeah. <laughs> um i was uh i was there two two seasons cool and uh do you um i think when we spoke to ian he said that you still have a uh a sort of a working relationship you still he still calls you up every now and then uh, do you keep in contact with um him and other people at Hungerford uh, still now. Oh. Yeah, Hungerford—they're all great people. You know, um, Ian Herring—he's on his journey. 
um, and I wish him every success. Um, and I still got some great friends at Hungerford, you know, some great people that you know knew what we did there because. You know, you can't take away the history. You can take away uh, anything what people want to take away, but you can never take history away. And that's why my, my management team and players at that time will always be remembered for them great, eight wonderful years of pure success. Um, but Hungerford are on a different journey now, you know, um, and, you know, I just wish them every success and, and I wish them, you know, um, every success for the rest of their time. You know, they're, they're, great, they're great people. Let's um let's just bring it bring you bring you forward to, to sort of up to date you you um yeah. you're you're obviously you're at Bracknell Town now um Bracknell yes. Town's a club that a lot of the people listening to this will be they'll be listening to it to uh, to talk to you about Bracknell so so let's um let, let's let's talk about Bracknell you spoke about Scott Reese um he was one yes. of the first players you bought in at Bracknell when you came into Bracknell what what did what did you change what did you need to change what did you see that you thought right because it was a good squad there um what did you need to change. I had to change the mindset of the players, you know, because everyone was talking about what good squad it was. Well, it doesn't matter if you're a good squad, you've got to deliver on the pitch. Um, so I went in there within 24 hours and we do change to, to be better because um, there were some good players there. But the mindset was, you know, being a good player and winning things because you, you only get success by winning things. Um, so I knew I went into a good squad, um, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted for success. Because one of the... So, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, we, uh, what actually drew you to Bracknell initially? Because you mentioned earlier that um, you wanted to... It was an ambition to manage at the Conference South, and you've been doing that with Hungerford and also... Uh, with, uh, so what... Why was uh, what drew you to Bracknell a sort of step down in uh, what was it two two levels two yeah. levels yeah um, it, it, yeah it's quite funny I, I got a phone call to go and speak to them and I'd spoken to a few other conference South clubs that week and I have to say it it, it was the chairman the chairman was just absolutely so ambitious and well driven. Um, and he's a family man as well. And I just wanted to literally try and reward him by bringing success to the football club. I know, um, I know. Uh, obviously, you, you sent me something uh, a couple of weeks ago about, um, and I think it was just as, as, as football was cancelled. But obviously, you, you turned Bracknell into one of the one of the, the, the best defence. They was, I think, they were top of the form league, um, and you've you've not conceded a goal in, I think, like one goal in the last however many games it was. It was it was yes. some sort of it was a phenomenal record, and that yeah, included well, some yeah. cup games against against some some strong sides as well. How, yeah. uh, so obviously, you know, the mindset and changing the mindset of players, but it was there were, there were there's players you've brought in. Who have been the key players that you've brought in there? Uh, Scott Rich for definite is one. Um, we brought in um, uh, Michael Atkins. He's been another one. Brought in a couple of new hungry forwards because remember, you know, football starts from up front. Yeah. You know, and, you know, when, when we were at them a couple of months, that's when we go and do our work. You know, I've got some great people around me that went to watch these players as well, and I watched them because too many managers get comfortable, you know. They're, they're at home, and well, well, there's a game on. Go and watch the game. You know, because if you want success, you have to do that. So, you know, um, I just love watching games of football. It, it's just my passion. It's what I love doing. Um, and that's why what drew me to Bracknell, because the chairman is very ambitious. He wants, he wants league football in the years to come. 
Um, that's why I signed a five-year deal there. Um, and, I, you know, it, it was my biggest deal. I know it was his biggest deal. Um, but over the last couple of years, they've just, quite, you know, failed a little bit, you know, um, even though their manager's done a fantastic job. I just felt... If he wants to go further and I want to go further, we're a good combination. If you understand how how to you know how I'm explaining that to you. So my question was going to overlap slightly on what uh, Tom was saying there, but um, you were unbeaten in your last ten league games, I think it was, winning eight and drawing two. The season seems to have stopped at just just the wrong time for you, as uh, you're really making a sort of beeline for the playoffs. Um, and what what do you think? Uh, what what have you got right? last 10 games um, to have such great form basically um, yeah it was uh, it was 12 games we won 10 through 2 and I have to say it, it was my management team my players you know they, they got it right for me they worked extremely hard behind the scenes and uh, we were very lucky we had a chairman who gave us everything uh, the budget didn't change or anything like that we didn't spend any money or anything like that we just got rid of a few players um, we'll ask them to move on to different things while we brought in our own fresh faces and the whole club the last three months came a family and you know everyone laughs when I say that all the time I make the people around me families uh, you hear it in every one of my interviews at Hungerford at Wildstone um, the, the, you know the people understand what, what you know the, the football people what I mean by that is you know you, you do anything for your, your kids and you do anything for your players and you want your players to do anything for their gaffer so you just made it a real tight group um, and, you know, togetherness to try to achieve what we're all there to do, to be honest. And I just made everyone smile again and, and believe in themselves, to be honest, and really fit and organised. Um, Bobby, this season, Brighton have had some absolutely awful luck with goalkeepers. Uh, yes. I think it, I think it's seven. I'd counted it the other day. I think they've had about seven goalkeepers this season, and obviously you just got Mark Scott back. Um, but you've got you've got Jason Matthews, I th- believe, is your goalkeeping coach, and he's kind yes. of stepping in to to that number one jersey. Um, obviously, as, as you say, as you rightly say, you know, football starts at the front. But but I, I've always found as well having a having a reliable, solid number one throughout the season is is absolutely crucial. Um, how much do you think that hindered Bracknell this season, and, and has it been a problem for you yourself as well? Uh, no, no problems for me because I brought Jason yeah. to actually play if Mark right. was injured. So because I could sign a Reading goalie or a Watford goalie, I got offered some fantastic goalies. But it, it comes back to this: do your homework before you go in somewhere. I knew that they'd had niggles, so I made sure I brought a good goalkeeping coach that could actually play. You know, so um, I had no problems with that. He will coach him. He gets injured. My coach just goes in. And as you see, you know, we, we had them 16, 17 games all together, including the cup games. And Jason played, you know, uh, yeah. I think about 10 or 11 of them. Um, and, you know, Mark played the rest. Yeah. And we didn't lose with Jace. Well, Jason got golden gloved, didn't he? Yeah, I think so twice, we, I believe. Twice, yeah, I think. Yeah, twice we did. So we, we, we did our homework and we just did it right, you know. Too many managers, we signed so many players during the season. You know, I think before I went into Bracknell, they had signed about 50 players. Yeah. Well, 
you know why like literally <laughs> you just get, you know just get a tight squad and you change a player when he's not doing so well or he's or he's lost his not lost his way um because when a when a player loses his way that's when as a manager you want to help him don't just get rid of him so when we looked at that before we went in there me and my system we met up and we just thought there's so many players <laughs> and how can you get a solid side and how does everyone know every set play you can't you can't change everything um and it can't always be a player's fault you know so yeah. um yeah, we've just been a homework, and that's why I brought Jason in and what a fantastic goalkeeper coach he is. But most of all, he's still a fantastic goalie. <laughs> he's had a bit of a career himself, hasn't he, as well? He's, he's played, oh, at, a, yeah. played at a good the, level. The experience is brilliant, Rob, uh, you know, um, Tommy. He's, his experience is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and he was a pleasure to work with. <laughs> and now, obviously, the, the season's been cut short. That's, you know, it, it's it's the way it is. It looks like there may well be some appeals and stuff like that. But for now, for, for you, for your team... The, se- the yes. season's done. Is, is that the, the that the way you're kind of approaching it at the moment? Our, our season, yeah, it, it's done. Um, I, I don't even want to appeal. No. I, I'm not going to appeal. Uh, the reason I'm not going to appeal is um, I think they made the right decision. Um, and I think I would have won the league because if we won our games in hand and beat top of the league, we would have yeah. gone top. But it's ifs and buts, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, this point. We can, all, we can all have opinions. So my opinion is I would never have known, so yeah. I don't need to know. But me personally, I think they made the right call because if I'd gone for a points thing and I'd lost, or we would have come third, they reckon, I, that would have upset me like you wouldn't believe. Um, <laughs> if a season doesn't get completed, it don't get completed. Yeah. Um, and I would just rather people be safe. My my missus is NHS. My mum's my on the front line at NHS. So I understand what they're going through I hear you know a lot of what goes on behind the scenes yeah it's not a nice place and I just want families and people to be safe right now and football is irrelevant even though football's my full-time job you know I'm, I'm, I'm on the phone now working hard to sign players but yeah. really it's just about my family and, and people's livelihoods and stuff like that they're they're safe and everyone's okay and they can go back to work now yeah um so following on from that I think the hopefully the next time um we, we see football again then will be um, the start of next season and hopefully yes. everything uh, is uh, resolved by then and um, we can have a full 2021 season uh, yep. what, what changes are you um, making preparation for that season in order to uh, make sure that you can mount another promotion challenge again uh, next year yeah um, I've been going through a hell of a lot I've been working extremely hard already um, you just got to make sure now are there any fantastic players available that you can get that you can afford in your budget will they fit what we're doing um, you're trying to sign 90% of your, your squad from last year you're trying to look after players from last year because they didn't let you down and we were only together weren't we three months Yeah. Um, so if you said to me right now uh, Tom that I could have the same squad at the <laughs> end of the, when, when we parted company um, I'll take that all day so I'm going to be working hard for that but and then you want to freshen up as well to be even stronger because whatever you say where and Hanwell they were the two best sides because league tables don't lie that's where they were when we went in there and you know credit to, to them and I and I really do feel sorry for them their managers because they they you know they were favourites to go up, weren't they? But yeah, they will yeah. never know. So that's why I just don't think we should appeal and we should just accept what the league have done and stuff like that. But on that, going back to that, every league should do it. You can't just do three leagues and then the other 
lot of leagues. If we're all going to avoid the season, we should all avoid together. If they were going to do points, they do all points. They can't. You can't change different leagues, can you? No. And we we had that odd situation um, a few weeks ago when when the seasons were sort of when it was left to the leagues to decide. And you had you had Ascot down the road playing in the combined counties league, and Binfield in the Hellenic League up the road cancelled. It was a, it was a bizarre yeah. situation that really should never yes. have um, never have uh, never have come across. Um, Bobby, I just I wanted to ask you about um, your kind of links with with pro clubs because you know you've obviously yeah. got a link with with Reading. Is that something that's still still there? Is that something you're still looking at players there, younger players especially? Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, I've made a lot of friends in the pro game. You know, um, that's why when Brendan Rogers came into Reading Football Club and he asked me to go as a part time kit man, I was I was fully with Hungerford. Yeah, but it was something I couldn't do because uh, turned <laughs> down. It wasn't about being the kit man. Is I learned so much from Brendan Rogers, but biggest key for me is I learned so much from Brian McDermott uh, yeah. when Brendan went and I'm very close with Brian now I still meet him a lot for coffees and advice and um, and a, a good friend of mine Pat Dolan who I meet a lot as well he's got a, a lot of his lads playing the premiership he's an agent yeah. so I've been very fortunate that I've got some real good people in the game at, at every level to be fair in the leagues um, and I could pick up a phone today and you know a lot of them over the years have helped me out and yeah. you know that's where that's where Bracknell are lucky that I can do that sort of stuff but I'm very lucky to be a Bracknell as well well you mentioned earlier that you uh, you signed a five-year deal at Bracknell yes. um, at the uh, when that five-year deal comes to an end where do you hope uh, uh, where do you see yourself with Bracknell um, how, what is the level of the ambition of the club obviously it's quite high from what you're saying about the uh, conversations you've had with the chairman but where do you see yourself in five years time when that um, initial contract at least comes to an end well when that contract runs in five years I just hope the chairman's happy with me because I would never <laughs> predict where I'm, I am uh, people laugh at this all the time you know I was on a radio show last week with all the managers in the top six of our league you know um, and everyone was talking about what they're going to do and achieve. And I just said, as long as my chairman's happy and I, I don't get relegated, yeah. because you're easily shot down in this game. you know. Yeah. So what I try to do now is just not give anyone that opportunity. There's a lot of jealousy out in football. There's a lot of people that want to shoot you down. There's a lot of people that talk about you. And I always say to my kids, when they're talking about me, I must be doing something right. <laughs> um, so even if it's good or bad or it's negative, you know, I, I've been around the game too long for all that now. So what I do is... As long as my chairman's happy and my kids are happy and my wife's happy, I'm, you know, and I'm in a job, yeah. um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be okay. I'm never gonna predict where I am. You know, next year we'll be one of the favourites. I can guarantee that. Um, so, but as far as I'm concerned, I'll just be trying to finish fourth and bottom next year and stay in the league. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bobby, I just wanted to ask you. You, you mentioned Brian McDermott. Brian McDermott—that's yes. that's a hell of a—he's uh, he's a hell of a scout. Because he—he was—he was—he was a scout. He was, was he head of scouting at, at Reading? He—he he knows a player or two. Um, I listened yeah, to the—I yeah, listened to the episode with Ad Williams with Brian McDermott and with Steve Coppel, and uh, and they and they both talked about how he, how you know the scouting and and Brian Mc, was was a particularly good scout. Um, is it is there stuff you learn from Brian? That, that you, you've kind of put oh, into it's different levels obviously but yeah I, I've learned so much from Brian Madoma he's um, he was a fantastic manager fantastic man manager um, I have to say you know when when I went into Reading to be where I was he was chief scout and then he took over managing uh, in um, 
December 2012 it was. Um, and then the boys there, Mikel Ledgewood, Joby McEnough, Shane Long, I speak to all these boys all the time. He, The way he managed them was just unbelievable. You know, as you know, he's chief scout at yeah. Arsenal now. But, yeah. um, you know, we were, we were 12th in the league that year. A lot of people <laughs> don't know that. We were 12th in the league that year. I still remember it. And I'll never forget we were in a meeting and the way he just come across and you listened to him and you wanted to you wanted to do well for him and i took so much of his man management skills away you know to be to be a better manager and that year don't forget we just got we got beat in the playoffs didn't we by swansea by yeah, Brenda, yeah. by the way you know, <laughs> I, was on the, I was on the bench that day and i have to say yeah learning from these people you know i'm blessed to 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 have some advice and you know when i'm going through hard times i ring these people up and they just tell me yeah listen you know do this do that you know don't listen to negative that's why i'm on no i'm on no twitter i'm on no facebook i just stay away from all of it yeah to be honest because <laughs> you know i just want to shut my doors and be with my family when yeah. i go to work just do my job for my, my football club um, but yeah, very, very lucky to have these people. Brian McDermott, he's a big part of my life right now, you know, and I wish he'd go back into football. Uh, I met him at Marlow literally three weeks ago before all this happened. Yeah. He, he's happy scouting now, to be <laughs> honest, but I, I'm saying to him, where's that buzz? Where's that, you know, you want to manage, don't you? Um, but he's a chief scout, what am I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's that? Um, I guess we're sort of drawing more or less to a close, but I, before we lose you, I, I want, definitely wanted to ask how, uh, uh, what your highlight has been in your managerial career so far. Um, obviously taking Hungerford through the divisions and you've had success at Wealdstone and even at Bracknell, um, you know, you've had a, a good level of uh, success for the short time you've been there. Uh, what's been your highlight so far? My highlight is just working with fantastic people every week. Um, we can all say out my promotions and things like that. They're all gone now. What my job is now is to keep looking forward. And I never wanted to go backwards. And I didn't think Bratner was stepping backwards, you know, and that could have been a big gamble for me. You know, a lot of people never looked at that like, oh, you've got a conference manager coming in here. Well, if I'd lost all them games, that could have ruined my career. Um, but my highlight for me, I'll be honest, I didn't win it, but it will be the semi final of the trophy. Um, oh, because right. the, because of what we actually did, you know, we got beat by the team that won it, yeah. um, Brackley, but because you had to play home and away and the build up and the press and everything that week and well, them two weeks were just unbelievable. But why it was so special is because I took over a month with contracted players that were not my players, but I had to work with them because they were they were on good money. And, um, they were all contracted to Wilstone Football Club. And my chairman said to me that year, give me a good run in this cup. And we nearly did it. <laughs> um, but we got beat by a better side on the day. And I accept that. But to me, that was one of my highlights. Not because of we lost in the semi, because of how we got there. We yeah. all the, the, the hard work behind the scenes to put a smile on people's faces. And I say it's my highlight to you both <laughs> but it still haunts me to this day because it still upsets me to, my to this day because i was 90 minutes away from yeah. Wembley, you know well, and that would be a highlight wouldn't it indeed. but that drives me on to go again it's it's a funny one because because brackley obviously did a similar thing to what you did at hungerford to get yes, where they are correct. um yes. sort of doing things the right way and, and trying to trying to grow through the leagues and stuff like that that's that's quite that's quite interesting uh <laughs> it just occurred to me <laughs> that, knowing knowing brackley 
And to this day, they're still the best side I've played. Yeah. How organised they were, how Kevin had them working. Um, I went up to watch them against Stockport uh, the week before and the week before when they played in the quarters. Um, and they were good. And I knew what we were up against. And I went there to get a nil-nil at their place. And I still remember the captain scored a weldy <laughs> in the 90th minute oh. um, that no other keeper would say. So that still haunts me. And and they were just a better side. Yeah, you know they were just better. And I, I give their manager and their club all the praise in the world. And like I go back, it was one of my highlights, and, <laughs> and I lost. But I learned so much from it. I learned so much from it. And people will say what about the promotions? The promotions are brilliant because it's a team thing. But that year it was just very different for what we went into. So, uh, um, what other personal ambitions do you have uh, within the game? Obviously, you're a very, it sounds, anyone who's been listening to this can tell you're a very uh, driven person. And you've already spoken about, you know, uh, meeting up with the, uh, the Bracknell chairman there and wanting to go a long way. What, um, when you come to the end of your managerial career, hopefully a long time from now, what will you, um, do you hope to have achieved or what ambitions do you have uh, for that time? Well, the biggest thing I've achieved is I do what I love. Mm. This is what this is my passion. This is what I love, you know. Um, yeah, everyone knows I want to manage in the leagues. Everyone knows that. I've never denied any of that. And you know, some people make out of it. Some people, well, why? Why wouldn't I? Like Brian McDermott, he managed here at Conference South, you know. And um, you know, Brendan started off, you know, as a, a groundsman at um, Reading Football Club. You know, I've got my own ambitions. Um, I'm working through my badges really well as well at the moment. I'm doing everything I can to to be better. I'm making loads of mistakes, but I want to manage in the leagues. Um, did I take a backward step to, to do it? I don't think I did, but, you know, it might take a little bit longer now. But I won't. what I will say is we got offered some great conference jobs. I did get offered, but it just wasn't right. And I wasn't going to take a job that wasn't right. So you put it dead right there. I'm in no rush. Um, <laughs> but I'm doing what I love every day of the week. You know, this is what this is my passion. I love it. Um, and I'm just going to keep driving to be better at Bracknell Town right now. Bobby, it sounds like um, of, of all the man of every manager we've spoken to, they've all said how important the chairman uh, is to the relation to the to the way that the manager works at the club. Uh, and obviously, it sounds like you've had several several excellent chairmen. Is there is there any one thing that any of them do in particular to to make that an easy relationship? Obviously, uh, uh, Kane at, at Bracknell currently, and and the other guys uh, at Hungerford and Wealdstone. Um, anything particularly that, that that runs through that to to make to make it a good relationship with yourself? Well, you've got to you've got to show them respect. You know, there's been one or two chairmen, you know, you know that I haven't thought is brilliant. You know, and they've got their own opinions and things like that. But my three chairmen's have been Nigel Warwick, who supported me all the way, but you, then you've got to support him. Yep. For instance, he gives you a budget, you want a bit more, but you can't have a bit more. So you've got to do you've got to find someone do something for him work 24 hours a day for them um because a lot of people still in football now do not see what we do the pressure you know um you sign contracts now and and uh, for your money and things like that not for football now for pressure you know because you bring it home you can never switch off and you just want somebody who's going to back you and not be against you because we all want the same things um you know like my second spell at wheelstone you know rory uh, a gentleman called Rory came in. I I just didn't like the way he he was. So you know, you, 
it, I just knew it wasn't for me. So when I left Wildstone at the end of that season, I just didn't want to go into another season working under that chairman. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That was just my opinion at the time. And he did it his way and I did it my way. You know, I signed a new 18-year deal with, uh, uh, 18-month deal with Wildstone <laughs> under, the, under the last chairman. And I didn't finish it because yeah. he'd left. So you just want your chairman to support you when you want a player. Yeah, come on, help me out here <laughs> um, because you want to win. Just have a good relationship with them, to be honest. Um, but we're not all going to get on. You know, I find that quite hard in football. You know, you make a mistake and everyone singles you out for it. <laughs> you know, um, but that's football. That's yeah. that's that's what we're in. You know, I've made thousands of mistakes, but you know. I make a mistake, I just get on with it. I don't go on social media and try and get reactions and things like that. You just deal with it and you get on with it. And that's how I like my chairman. Come and tell me what I've done wrong, get on with it, <laughs> and you go again. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I've worked with three yeah. brilliant chairmen, to be honest. Uh, Rob, did you have one, one more you wanted to ask? No? Uh, okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Bob. Rob and I have got a video screen between us, so we know who's going to ask you the next question. So if it sounded like it was really organised, it's it's just uh, it's, it's just, you know, pure luck. But um, Bobby, we, we round things off just by um, asking one specific question to everybody that we speak to um, just to help everyone while they're in isolation. Is there a, yes. a box set or a TV show that you're watching at the moment that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Only Fools and Horses. Oh, do you know what? I think you're the second person to say that. I can't remember who the last one was, but but yeah, Only Fools and Horses. Quite a few episodes there as well, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I think I'm a little bit sad because I watch all the Barcelona games and try and study from yeah. it, see what they do and stuff like <laughs> that. I think I'm one of the sad ones, but uh, my kids, Only Fools and Horses and things like that, if I can help it. Lovely, lovely. Um, Bobby, you're, you're a Tilehurst boy, aren't you? Yes, correct. I uh, yes, I I am. I, I, I speaking. I've been down to Bracknell Rugby Club a few times, and uh, I think the chairman, the chairman there, sort of know, knows of you, and uh, and mentioned yeah. that you were a tireless boy. Um, what was it like growing up there? Because I'm over in Southcote myself at the moment. Um, what was that like growing up in? Uh, I know I said that was the last question. I just wanted to. <laughs> <That's just fine. laughs> Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, I've lived here my whole life. My, my family have lived here their whole life. Um, very different to now because you've got all this social media. We used to just play football against a, <laughs> a garage with a tennis ball yeah. and stuff like that. And I, I miss them days. You know? um, I walked around Calcutt Golf uh, Course today with my, my kids, done a little bit of fitness with them. Um, well, they did the fitness, I just watched. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be from Tyler, the Reading, and, um, you know, um, just i just love it i live five minutes away from mum and dad um so you know i always have i think i'm a bit of a mummy mummy's boy <laughs> like that um now i'm a family man you know um i've said it to lots of people in the past you know people you know you you cross a white line you're a different person yeah. compared to when you get home um and if there's any advice i'd give to all people at football is we are not the person you see on the touchline with two different people <laughs> i'm a family man yeah. you know who love i love being in tyler so i love being with my family uh, bobby wilkinson thank you very much for joining us um that is an absolute pleasure that is our Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and Rob Davis. Um, it's our pub, but not in a pub chat. Uh, we're doing these daily to kind of try and keep ourselves and everybody else busy. Um, all that's left for me to say is to uh, please uh, subscribe to the podcast on your various apps. Go and give us a like and all that kind of thing. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at FI Berkshire and footballinberkshire.co.uk for the website. Uh, all that's left for me to say is goodbye from me, Tom, Rob. Goodbye from me. And Bobby.
Goodbye from me. <laughs>